0: A lot of times we look for people in these roles who have enough of a technical background to work with the engineers and to understand how data works and data schemas and all that different stuff. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be an engineer, but you really deeply have to understand how these things are built. Hello, and welcome to an episode of Dear Melissa from the Product Thinking Podcast. The lines are now open, and we're ready to answer your most pressing product questions. Which prioritization framework would you recommend and why? Hi, Melissa. Do you have any suggestions on developing a product strategy? Whoa, 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 (laughs) whoa. That's a lot of questions. All right, let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to another product thinking podcast. Today we're doing Dear Melissa and diving into all of your questions. So I've got three great questions for you. One's about data and AI and platform products. One is about product ops, and one's about becoming an engineer who really runs product and people management as well. So interesting things to dive into. Let's get started. Dear Melissa, I have a question about the job of the product manager for data, AI, and platform products. I mainly have experience with products like banking apps, marketplaces like job sites, and self-service areas that are very visual by nature. For these types of products, you typically start from a problem and an opportunity, do discovery with customers to find a solution, and describe it in a PRD with wireframes or a prototype, build it and launch it, and then iterate. How does it work for data, AI, and platform products? It's clear that you still start from problems and opportunities, but I imagine that the way you do discovery and describe your requirements is very different. Eager to learn more about this. All right, we're back and we're talking about how do you actually do discovery and write requirements for data AI and platform products? So yes, it's true you don't need a wireframe when you're doing a AI data or platform product because there's nothing visual to look at. But that doesn't mean that you're not communicating through diagrams and not doing discovery work. You have to do discovery work as well. So when you think about AI platform and data products usually you're enabling other product teams to be able to do their job or consume it into their products. So for instance, a platform product usually sits underneath a bunch of applications. It feeds data or different processes or services. Let's say services is a great word for this into the applications through APIs. And why do we do this? We do it. So we don't build the same services over and over and over again across multiple applications. So incredibly important in really big companies, but you know, just important in any size company, actually. So data, AI, similar. AI, obviously, we're going to be doing some complicated algorithms on the back end, feeding those into applications, and it could be spread across many different types of applications. And same for data. Now, yes, there's nothing visual to look at for this, but when you think about it, your customers are still the customers that are consuming those applications that you fed into at the end of the day but your users are the people internally in your company. So what you need to do is look at the product roadmaps from an application standpoint, trace back all that value into how you enable it through data, AI, and platforms, and start to understand that. Now, once you have that, what you do for discovery work is go to meet with the product managers who are building those applications, you understand their roadmaps, you understand the company priorities, the strategy at a higher level, and that gives you some insight into what are they going to be consuming short-term and long-term on the roadmap? Then you have to figure out how that fits into your platform vision and what do I build now? This can be really troubling to some companies. Some companies think about building platforms in isolation, not looking at the roadmaps of others. Or they think, hey, everything needs to be dependent on the roadmaps of others. It's more of a balance. You want to prioritize the work that you're doing on the platform side or this back end side against the roadmaps for the applications. So you can't build a roadmap for your backend platforms without having a roadmap for your front end stuff that's gonna be consumed by users, right? Customers, I mean, like real end user customers. You need to be able to build things that could be sold, really enabling that value chain to come out there. Now, here's an example of one that doesn't actually work out and when we build things in isolations. I worked with a company quite a while ago They had everything built as a big monolith. They had many different applications and many different business lines across it. And they said we wanted to build a platform because we all exchanged the same data. It doesn't make sense to have copies of this data over eight different applications. Let's build this platform. They did not have product management help when they first started specking this out. They did it totally in the engineering team. They built the vision for the platform, and then they started to build the services they thought people would need for the platform they spent tens of millions of dollars building the wrong thing because they didn't talk to the product managers or look at their roadmaps about what they would be consuming. So they started prioritizing the hardest services to build or the most complicated ones or things where they thought they could use fun AI techniques or something to enhance it. And it had nothing to do with what was on the roadmap for sales and what was being promised to customers and what was on the roadmap for the product teams. So what happened? They built all these things and none of the developers on the applications teams ended up adopting any of the APIs or any of the services that was actually built. That's where you start to run into trouble. I have seen that happen lots and lots and lots of times. So what does good product management look like on a platform product, a data product, AI product? Yes, you will have product managers, first of all, let's put it that way. That company in particular did hire a VP of product over the platform and then did great product management to get it back on track. They recovered, built a great platform. Now, what do you do as a backend product manager on a team like this? Your discovery work should be meeting with the engineers that will be digesting your data and using your data and tapping into your services. Find out how they'll be using it. Find out how it gets integrated into their products. Find out how it delivers value to the customer. Then spec out what needs to go into that to make that successful. You're not going to be building wireframes, but you'll be doing things like data schemas. Data schemas will probably become your best friend. Database schemas are what they're called. If you don't know what that is and you're working on a backend data product, meet with your engineers and find out. That is incredibly important. The engineers are going to want to know how all the data talks to each other, what works together, how you should be structuring it, what types of applications will be pulling it in. Usually you're going to be writing out a lot of these things. It's going to be a lot more words and technical diagrams than it is visual wireframes. If you are working on an AI product, you have to specify what the algorithm should be doing. You have to write a bunch of test cases to talk about like what the algorithm should be returning, things like that. So the whole process of discovery through delivery is gonna be very similar, but the types of documentation that you use are probably gonna be more technical in nature. A lot of times we look for people in these roles who have enough of a technical background to work with the engineers and to understand how data works and data schemas and all that different stuff. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be an engineer, but you really deeply have to understand how these things are built. So, that's going to be different than like a consumer facing visual type thing for sure. That's really what it looks like to be a back-end product manager on these platforms or these data products and AI products. You still do a lot of product management, but you're not prototyping or wireframing things out from a UX Experience, but you are doing it from a technical experience, data schema experience, and you're still building it, launching it, and iterating on it based on the feedback from the developers and keeping in line with the roadmaps of the application teams that are consuming it. All right, second question Dear Melissa, what are some tips and tricks you would recommend for a first time product ops manager coming from a project management role? And what do you think are the most important things to do during the first 30 days on the job? Good question. One of the big things you have to remember coming from a project management role. Is that this role of product ops is not about scope and time and budget and the stuff that you've been doing as a project manager. Now, you're definitely going to be using your project management skills and thank God for them because if you're a great project manager, I believe you can do this role very well too. But you also have to put your product hat on, not just project, but product, right? You are building systems and processes and optimization for the product management team. So, I'd say like in your first 30 days, you need to meet with your product managers. Now, you should be really looking at their processes and starting to think about them from a, what's inefficient about the way that they gather data or form data, do market research these days, set up their cadences, set up their strategy and deploy it. All of these things that we talk about, what great product operations looks like, you need to go look at what are they doing now? Where are the gaps? And also, where are the biggest red flags? Like, hey, let's say that there is no strategy. All right, I'd start with, how do we get information to inform the strategy so people can actually set it? Maybe there is no communication tactics for roadmaps, but there is a roadmap floating around somewhere. Okay, let's start with that. Many different places to start. You have to put your detective hat on and then go in there and try to figure out what's burning right now and what's the first things I could start to roll out. So. I think that's really important. I would get really familiar with you know, how they do their job, what are their frustrations, what are they doing outside the scope of their job? Like your job is to take away a lot of that work that's inefficient for them or things that they shouldn't be doing so that they can maximize their time making decisions. So where are they gathering data from? Where does it live? Are they using analytics tools? Are they not using analytics tools? Are they doing market research? Are they doing customer research, but it takes too long to get in front of a customer? All of these types of things are gonna help you inform where you should actually start. So I'd start there. And then secondly, I'd start looking at all the other roles that surround product managers and you know help to get products out the door. So I'd look over at the sales team and I'd say, hey sales, how are you tracking your feedback from customers about like our win and loss reasons? Like, why do we lose customers? Why do we win customers? Where are you keeping your notes? Oh, is that making it to the product team? no, okay, that's an opportunity for me to start streamlining this and help them be able to get this data. So I go to all these other teams. And I'd also see how are they exchanging information with product management? And also how is product management communicating with them? And maybe how could we do it better? So try to figure out what their frustrations are. They may complain about a lack of transparency of what's coming on the roadmap. That's a pretty popular one. All of those different things are things that you can actually help with. I think getting the lay of land is the most important part in meeting with all those people for the first 30 days. So coming out of those first 30 days, so you need to have a plan and the plan should really address where do you see the biggest gaps as it relates to product operations? Is it in data and insights? Is it in cadences and strategy reviews? Is it in processes and tools? So where are the biggest gaps there? Then you're gonna to wanna to present that back to the team make sure that aligns with what product managers would think are most helpful. And then you want to communicate that out to the other roles as well, especially if you're going to be doing cross-functional work, things that really tie into what they're doing on a daily basis and things that other people need to know as well. So that's what I would really look at. But I'd say, and I caution, just remember like product ops manager, product operations manager, very different than a project manager role. Very, very different. So Use the project management pieces to help you streamline a plan, get that plan done, figure out what needs to work. Those things are really important to actually implement your plan and put it together, but don't just try to streamline it in a task list oriented thing. Like you need to bring product management into your thinking so that you build systems that are repeatable and robust, and you're not just doing one-off fixes on inefficiencies. So for instance, If you are going to help people streamline their customer research efforts, like build that into a system that all the product managers could use. Don't just go out there and do a little stopgap thing for one or two product managers. Do it for everybody, right? Build repeatable systems. So that's the hat you need to wear when you're a product operations manager. And that's going to be different than project management. So I want you to really understand what it means to be a good product manager too, because you're basically the product manager for the product managers. And that's going to have a really big impact on your business. All right, last question. Dear Melissa, I've just taken the step up from regular engineer to lead engineer, which has both product and people management in a small 30-person startup. Can people and product management really mix? And do you have any tips for making sure both domains can run smoothly without interference? Thanks. So one thing that concerns me about this question, too, is that you see yourself as a lead engineer running the product as well so it's like product people and engineering i imagine i need you to think of yourself not as a lead engineer right now but as actually the lead product manager and i'm going to describe what that means and if you feel like you can't do that role this is where or you don't want to do that role which happens a lot this is where you have to have a conversation with your boss so can people and product management go together yes like is the number one path for product managers to get promoted it's like you become the people manager the director of product, the VP of product, it all has people management responsibilities. So there is nothing weird about that. That is a commonplace thing everywhere. But you might not want to do people management. That's common as well. A lot of people get into these roles and they say, hey, I'd rather execute. I don't really want to manage people. And that's totally fine. And that's where these IC, senior principal engineers and principal product managers come from. But you usually don't find them in a 30 person startup. So let's Take a couple steps back and start talking about like engineer lead versus product lead it can be really easy as a lead engineer to get into the mindset especially at a small company of technology first instead of needs and problem solving and you know customers first what do the customers need and what are they going to buy from us you need to be prioritizing that way and thinking about what's going to get you to product market fit And then making sure that the technology follows that, like the technology plan follows that. I'm not saying technology is not important, it is critical, absolutely critical, but you don't want tech leading. Like you don't wanna build things that will never get used by customers. You don't wanna build things that won't get used by customers tomorrow because you're a startup and you don't have a lot of money. So you don't wanna run out of money, so that's critical. Now, lead engineers are usually overseeing their developers, helping standardize processes, doing code reviews with them, coaching them up so that they're a little bit more proficient in their craft, implementing DevOps, implementing all these different things that help you be a better engineer, standardizing like those processes too. Sometimes a little bit of architecture is thrown in there as well, but that's a common for a lead engineer. Now, a lead product manager who's kind of overseeing a bunch of other product managers in a people management space too, is usually working with the stakeholders to figure out what's the next strategy, building the roadmaps that are informed by their teams communicating it up to the leadership, let's say this leadership is always going to want everything, especially in a startup, you need to be able to push back and say, no, this is what we can commit to, or here's your choices, we can either do a or we can do B, but we can't do both. So which one would you like to have first? That's a completely different conversation than usually what the engineers are having. Usually with the engineers and product managers, there's definitely going to be negotiation there but you're going to be having it on a business level and you have to understand what's the financial impact of doing X versus Y. Tracing all that up is absolutely critical when you're overseeing the product roadmap and you're overseeing all of the product backlog and all the product managers. So that's kind of why I ask here, like, do you want to be a lead product manager? Because if you're overseeing all the product people, congratulations, you're the lead product manager. But if you want to concentrate on engineering only, then you want to be the lead engineer. And you'd wanna separate out product from that so that somebody else can be making those decisions, negotiating with crazy stakeholders, and pushing back on sales when they wanna add everything to the roadmap. So you have to decide if you wanna do that work. And if you do wanna do that work, understand that it's actually very different than what a lead engineer does. And if you don't wanna do that work, then you're gonna have to have a conversation with your boss about getting somebody in there to help you and partner with you. Not somebody to oversee you, but somebody to be your partner. So that you can manage the developers, you can be the people manager and slight architecture and everything in there, but then you work with somebody who's going to oversee the product managers too. But yeah, they can all work smoothly without interference. So long as you understand what the roles and responsibilities are of each and where does product need to lead and where does tech need to leave in different scenarios. All right, that's it for Dear Melissa this week. If you have questions, please go to dearmelissa.com and submit them there. We go through these every two weeks and I pick out three questions to answer, so I can't wait to see yours. Feel free to get as deep as you want. I like reading them and hearing your feedback. And if you like the Product Thinking Podcast, please subscribe. Wherever you're listening to this, hit that subscribe button. We will end up in your inbox on Wednesdays. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.